Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, one and all. This is Bites, a show where we talk about what we are watching this week in anime. I am your host, Frankfurter, and with me today is our Mangrove Aquifer Magically Average. Magically average, we have a real, real jam-fucking-packed episode, so I'm going to start us off. We are going to have some quick hits for you. It's going hot. Let's do it. Yep, and I, I'm glad that you laughed as much as I did when I was making the name uh, of Mangrove Aquifer. I just, just can't. All right, I can't. I don't have time to process. We got to just move it along. There's right. too much to talk about. Let's Moving go. Moving on, I want to redact uh, statements from last episode in which... I thought the Sword Art Online progressive movie takes place after season three. It does not. It is just season one through Asuna's eyes. Also, it's not just season one. It's the first two episodes of season one. It only covers two episodes in an hour and a half movie, which is fine because I feel like they could just make it into a TV show. But anywho, it's the first two episodes of season one of Sword Art Online through Asuna's eyes. It adds... A little more to her character, it shows her with a friend from home that, like, their character dynamic, etc. Like, overall, it was a fun movie. It added a little bit more to the world, but, like, it didn't push the needle, you know, any direction anyway. I will say that the combat scenes as normal for SAO were gorgeous. It was pretty. It was, like, an updated version of season one, the first two episodes. I mean, that's the best you can hope for is that they at least keep the battle scenes the same. They were they were same but different because they threw in her friend from home. So it was just like they had to put that all into like the level like floor one boss battle and like how Asuna actually learns how to fight, etc. So like it she's thrown in there and she's also thrown into the like meeting that they have before they go to the boss battle. So there's like a little bit more context. There's like more interactions between her and Kirito before that meeting too, which I found really interesting and kind of surprising. I didn't think that they would have done something like that or they would have kind of pushed Kirito as much as they did, but they did. Uh, Overall, it was a good movie. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say, oh my God, it's amazing. If you're an SAO fan and you love season one, you'll love the movie. It's a fun time. It's a good time. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's all I'm going to cover because we've, we've literally got this. I want to talk blue period. I want to talk about, uh, rank or not ranking of Kings. Um, M- yeah. Mushoku Tensei. Then we have fuck Demon Slayer Maruko-chan. and you have Moroko-chan and, um, shit. Why am I forgetting the Call other me. one? Oh no, 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 no. My senpai, oh, is, my annoying. senpai is annoying. Yeah. yeah, and then we have Komi, and I think I said Demon Slayer, so Demon Slayer. So, real quick, Blue Period, uh, quick rundown. They were getting ready, or they were... They ended the episode with them about to take the first test, uh, or, like, the entrance exam. And the 
exam goes, he is kind of like flustered because it, like the thing is self-portrait. They're given a mirror. His mirror breaks because somebody backs into his easel. And that's when he has like the, aha, like I should have my photo of me kind of fractured up and different looking weird. It's kind of abstract. Cool. Submits the piece. Entrance exam over. They go back to cram school or whatever it is. And they are prepping for the second test because apparently there's a second entrance exam if they pass the first one so everybody's like really stressed out because they don't know the results of the first test etc so they're the teacher's like hey we're gonna go do something fun tomorrow just meet us here at this time they go to a museum they look at the like they do a run through of the museum like oh my god this is kind of cool it's all fossils and then the teacher's like cool instead of going home or instead of going to the studio we're gonna just go into the museum one more time and you're going to draw. Like, you're going to pick a piece and draw it. And a lot of people pick very similar things and they explain the reasoning behind that. And then uh, they, I mean, just to kind of end the episode, they go back to cram school to prep for the second test, but only the people who pass the first test, which is the... There's like the the straight A student, uh, the quote unquote straight A student, like the prodigy in her their class. The girl, she has two toned hair, really cool character. Really enjoy her character. Uh, she passes. She's the first one through the door. Second one through the door is his, not his friend, but uh, one of the guys that he hangs out with cram school, who has really long hair, really loves art, but is kind of like a, I would equate him to like food wars when he talks about art. He gets very, very uh, horny. So, yeah. But uh, he mm, walks through the okay. door, and then they're like, oh, are we going to start? And she's like, no, we're waiting on one more. And then Homeboy walks through the door and is like, ah, yeah. And the episode ends. So Who would have saw that coming? Who would have known? So, uh, yeah, the episode ended with that. So that means that he passed the first test. So he's on to the second round, and we'll see what happens in the second round. But enough of Blue Period. We have taken a few weeks off of talking about Mushoku Tensei, which thank you for that because I was not caught up. I caught up on three episodes. A lot has happened in three episodes. I don't even remember what happened in that first one, but the second two focused on, uh, or I guess if the the chunk of episodes that we haven't talked about basically focus on Rudy finding out where his like young other younger sister is slash where the house maid is which i forget their names off the top of my head i'm very sorry i gotta look these up i'm aisha yeah and i can't remember the maid's name yeah but aisha was the the sister's name so he meets with the god guy god guy's like okay if i tell you where they're at you have to completely trust me he's like fine i'll completely trust you tells him like shows him a scene as to like this is where you're gonna find them or whatever they're at this city goodbye He's like, wait, what the fuck? What? And so his adventure goes on. They go to the city and they like he meets up with the little sister because she's tailing him, trying to give him a message or something. And he walls them off. Little sister gets trapped by city guards and he like kind of hears what's going on behind the wall. So he takes down the wall and is like, hey, what's going on here? And they're like, uh, nothing. We're totally not stealing this little girl and bringing her back. And so he like basically breaks her free of the city guard escapes and then says okay cool i have my little sister now i'm not going to tell you that my you're my little sister because you hate your older brother apparently because you found out that he's a pervert 
Yeah, he's super hentai. Yeah, so they, uh, he basically tells the rest of the crew, hey, don't call me by my first name. They say, cool, sounds good. They go, uh, Rudy is called into the castle because he's told that his old, uh, instructor, professor, whatever girl, person who, uh, why am I blanking I, on her name? Roxy. I love, I, I always let you just try to figure it out because you always just say the funniest things. Yes, Roxy. Roxy, yeah. He's told that Roxy is like, I want to see you and I'm at the castle. Come to the castle. Spoiler alert, Roxy hasn't been there for like two years. So he falls into a trap. He's placed in like a seal that doesn't allow him to use magic and can't escape like this bubble. And that's where he meets uh, the prince's younger brother, the prince, or sorry, another prince, which I believe is his older brother. Uh, Mm -hmm. The younger brother is the one that was Roxy's uh, apprentice after Rudy. And then this new guy that you meet is the older brother who was born with incredible strength and doesn't know how to control it sometimes. So when he was like three or four, he ripped his younger brother's head clear clean off his shoulders and he is forever known as like the baby killer or some or some shit like that but basically the the other brother comes or the older brother comes to rudy and is like hey have you seen this statue before does this mean anything to you he's like and shows him the rougiered statue and they kind of talk about that a little bit and he's like okay well i guess you wouldn't know anything about this and he brings out the roxy statue that he made and sold in the market episodes ago and he's like oh my god where'd you get this and they start gushing over it and how like the details of it and how the like statue has three arms because once you take the coat off she's like holding a hand over her boobs and like also just in panties and it's just weird perverted stuff but it is what it is (laughs) it's 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 a really weird like five minute scene of just kind of like slowly getting more and more uncomfortable yeah it's really weird and he's like hey, like, I'll show you how to do this and take you on as an apprentice if you let me out of this bubble. So strong, strong big brother goes to get little brother and be like, yo, bitch, let him the fuck out. And is, like, threatening to take, like, his head clean off his shoulders if he doesn't. So Rudy escapes, essentially, and the maid and the younger sister are set free. Um, There's other, like, smaller side plots like sub points here with like the guards and their family and that's kind of weird too and the brothers are banished from the castle for making so much of a commotion and everything and all the shit that they were doing so yay they're banished uh not banished but they're sent to school in another country instead of just they're banished but they covered it up by saying they're going to school um so that was like the two like one and two episode the third the latest episode is like I would say the climax of the season, essentially, in which um, they're traveling to the uh, back to their hometown, I believe. And on their travels, they're in the mountains. They pass a man and a, a woman with a, a mask on. Like you could equate the mask to the mask that the girl wears in. Uh, is it that one time I was reincarnated as a slime? Is kind of a similar mm-hmm. feeling mask. So they pass by him. Or actually, Rougiard and Eris just stand still and they're just like, don't make a fucking move, Rudy. And Rudy's like, what was that? I don't understand you. Hey, mister that just passed us, how are you? 
they start talking to this guy. This guy talks back to him. He's like, hey, I know you. I know you. I don't know you. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm Paul's son. And he's like, Paul doesn't have a son. He has two daughters. He's like, how do you know that? How do you know these people? Have you met them before? He's like, no, I haven't. By the way, do you know this God guy? And Rudy turns around. And he's like, yeah. And that's when the guy just beats the ever-living shit out of Rudy. And also Rugeard and also Eris. But uh, because yeah. Rudy knows this God person, faceless man in his dreams, uh, he's like, yep, yeah, nope, you can tell that God that I'm going to kill him. And then proceeds to punch a fucking hole through Rudy's chest slash heart slash just area. Just a full on fist size hole through his chest. And Rudy dies. Womp womp. Rudy's reborn because the girl that was traveling with the strong guy, which you find out to be the Dragon King, the number two on the strongest people list of all time, uh, the girl's like, hey, I think there's something up with him. Like, you should revive him just in case. And the Dragon God is like, fine. Revives him, and they kind of have, like, a not a merry moment of just like, oh, my God, we almost got the ever-living shit beat out of us and died, but we didn't. And I think that's how the episode ends. Yeah, it's a really like intense. I think that that whole scene takes up probably two thirds of the episode because part yeah. of it is well, part of it is our original character going and talking with the the man god again and being like, you know what, this time's kind of weird. Like this time, I felt like I had so much more to live for. And I had so much, so many expectations on what my life was gonna be like, that I feel kind of pissed that I died. Like there's so much unfulfilled. And he's like, I didn't get that sensation my when I died in my first life, because I just was a hermit and didn't have much to live for then. He's like, it's such a weird feeling. He's like, I'm kind of mad that I'm dead. And the man god's like, well, about that. And he's like, oh look at that, the hole's gone. He's like, yeah. Wait, the hole's gone and he wakes up. Yeah. But yeah. There, I'm, I was going to say, I'm interested, because I know we're going to get into predictions now. I'm interested to know the more about the gods themselves, because there's the seven gods who rank amongst the strongest warriors in the land, and it's like the god of technique is the highest, then it's the, the god of dragons. Dragon king and it's or like whatever the he is, yeah. The warrior god who a lot of the different swordsmen copy their sword styles from. Like, there's... Uh, I can't remember if they went through all of them, but I want to know more about them because obviously there's some weird relationship with the man god and the dragon god where the dragon god has these curses upon him, same as the man god and same as every other god, too. Yeah. Like, they kind of sprung that on in that episode, too, which is really weird because the, the man god was like, yeah, the gods have all these curses and, like, his is that, uh, well, he's like, mine is that I can't see his his past or future. So that's why you couldn't see anything in your demon eye. Because you can't, like, his. that's his curse. And I can't remember what his other curses are. But then <laughs> the character's like, how do you know so much about this dude? But you've never met him or seen him. And he's, the man guy's like... Hey, isn't that hole gone on your chest? You should go back to your body now. Then you're like, he snaps back to Rudy, and you're like, man, God, I yeah. wanted to know more. Also, the god can't like 
because of one of the I think you may have just said this and I just blacked out there because I was looking up the list of gods like one of the curses that uh the dragon god has on him is that nobody can track him so when yeah. predicting Rudy's future he couldn't see that they were going to run into the dragon god it just was an event but um yeah. uh 1 through 7 real quick Number one, technique god. Number two, dragon god. Number three, fighting god. Number four, demon god. Number five, death god. Number six, sword god. Number seven, north god. They all have names, but I'm not going to say them because they may or may not be spoilers. So yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say them. But I do want to get into your prediction. I've kind of given you a hint that this next episode is gonna fuck with you. It's gonna fuck with you because I've I've read ahead. I know it's gonna happen. And I've given you a fair warning that you're going to be mad at the end of this episode for yeah, different reasons. And I do want to hear your prediction as to what's going to happen. Because next There's week so- when we talk about this, oh boy, you're going to be mad. Oh, Jesus. I'm not prepared for that mentally. I, the weird thing is, is that I don't really have a prediction, though. Like I Even when we talked about it previously, and you're like, oh, you're just wait shit's about to hit the fan you're gonna be fucking pissed i was like man but i can't even predict what's gonna happen but my one prediction that seems plausible because i'll go into my bad shit crazy one but my plausible prediction is we're gonna get back into the gray art family when we saw like that one little like piece of her grandfather getting his head chopped off and then we didn't touch it for like five episodes, basically. So I'm I'm expecting that they'll finally return to their village and have to deal with all of the ramifications of the coup taking place, the other sect of the Grey Art family taking control, and having to cope with probably a family member that we met being a part of that. I We haven't seen Rudy's mom, so maybe she's involved because she used to be a really good adventurer. Maybe they, she's got some alliance with them. Who knows? My batshit crazy one, and it's there is some sense of like, like normalcy behind it. Like I, I am kind of sane when it comes to formulating you can, it. You can get to the point. Like you can, you can say it, and there's like reasoning behind it. Is what you're trying to yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. Is that all the different gods have someone in this world that they are basically champion championing? Championing, I can't Cham- speak. Championing, yes. I got you, you, boo. I got you, boo. <laughs> uh, to essentially face off against one another, because the man god has some weird thing with Rudy, and the man god has. I mean, we can't. I can't predict if he's the god of technique or not. We just know that he is a god of some kind. But I feel like. All the different gods have like one sort of protege that they're either training to face off against the other gods because maybe the gods have a curse where they can't kill each other, but they can have others kill them. And Rudy is basically the man god's protege or champion. And then the dragon god, we're going to get introduced to like one or two of the other gods and their champions. And then we're going to find out, okay, this is basically just a fight for control over the entire domain. And the next season is going to be a continuation of the exploration, but facing off against these new challengers along the way. That is my somewhat batshit crazy, but kind of reasonable prediction. Fair enough. Um, I will say the only... I can't hear you anymore. I think you're muted in Discord, but that's Uh, fine. 
I don't know how that happened. Um, yeah. So That's the right. uh, the only thing I will say is that the grandpa dying, I believe, was the f- season one part one finale. Is when we see that her her grandpa's beheaded. I believe that's when that was, which was like eleven episodes at this point. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, it could have happened in this part, but I believe that was how season one part one ended. I it because happened. It was, it was such a short season. It was only eleven episodes. I think it it happened whenever like two episodes after the 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 mana explosion took place that teleported people everywhere it was like one or two episodes after that so it it was it was either really early on in part two or at the very end of part one but regardless it's been a very long time since we've seen anything taking place at the kingdom so Uh, that's my somewhat reasonable prediction it was episode 14 so we are now going into episode 22 so it's been eight episodes. so it was this it was this part yeah, but it was early yeah. on in this part. It was very early this part, but yeah, that's enough of me talking. Uh, good predictions, I believe. Maybe we'll see. We'll find out next week. Um, Yay! But tell us about uh, Muroko-chan and my senpai is annoying. Please and thank you, sir. You, I will, and you're welcome. So polite. Uh, my senpai is annoying. Beach episode. That's all you need to know. Beach episode. Yay! Beach episode. Yep, that's it. It was. It's great as always, but beach episode. Uh, Muroko-chan was much more interesting so there was like two key takeaways from this last episode from Muroko-chan we left off with again the same character the substitute teacher home teacher who is cursed by demons you get a little bit more into like they focus on him a little bit more in this episode in the first half so they show him at his home and this next door neighbor comes over to give him food and there's all these crows outside of his like apartment just cawing and she's like oh it's weird there's all these crows lately and she's speaking to the dude and she's like, it must be because there's no cats around to kill them. And they all freak out when she says cats. And you're like, man, there's so many signs that people should pick up on that. This dude's not okay. And then she even notices, she's like, Oh, are you bleeding? Like there's blood on your hands. And he goes, "Um, I was cleaning something. And then just slowly closes the door. And I'm, you're like, man, there's someone has to report him, Right. But anyway, um, the two big takeaways though are Maruko, or I always call her Maruko. Maruko means to see things. Miko, Miko knows about Hana's like positive aura and that she attracts demons because there was a part in this episode where Hana's like always hungry. It's normal, but like she almost passes out because there's these strong demon like spirit presence around her with her homeroom teacher and that creepy giant spirit that keeps following them so like they're draining her positive aura which is why she's continuously hungry and she has to keep eating to like can like fuel basically her energy her spirit energy like that's how she refuels it and so okay you you show. <laughs> but not only does Miko know that, but Yulia, the the colorful cotton candy hair girl, she sees it too. And so Miko has this like realization of like, oh, you can see it, but sh- we shouldn't tell Hana because not only is she a little ditzy, but she'll freak out if we explain all of this shit to her. So you should keep it on the DL. That's what Miko tries to tell her just visually. Yulia reads it as, I'm going to fucking kill you. If you don't shut your trap. So Yulia runs away. <laughs> it was a really funny scene. Then 
the second takeaway is there is <laughs> it's such an innocent scene but hana and miko after school are in the park and hana's eating like for the i think fifth time this episode she's got two sandwiches and they're looking at all the kids and stuff and and hana's waving at one of the little kids that walks by and then miko sees a kid and she waves at it and lo and behold it turns out to be a spirit and so the spirit goes oh you can see me like i you waved at me you can see me you done goofed basically because it lunges at her like it like full-on sprints tries to attack her and then we see the shrine spirits come in that she had that had protected her a couple episodes ago and that she had met when she went and prayed at the shrine they come in and defeat the spirit basically but finally miko goes oh wait it's you again and you're holding up a number two at me. Oh, shit. I only get one more save. <laughs> I can only fuck up one more time. Because at the shrine, the big dude said three. So now I get it. You showed up once before. You showed up this time and with, and you said two. I only get what I like. Oh, no. I'm running out of lives. And so it was like kind of like that part was like a two-piece takeaway, which was if she notices them, they will attack her. Again, we don't know if they can, like, threaten her physically. Like, if they, it's just, like, something where they invade her body or if they can actually, like, damage her in some way. We don't know because the, the, the shrine gods protected her. But then the other takeaway is that she's now finally realizing, like, oh, shit, I have to come up with a different resolution than just ignoring them or finding a way to protect myself if they do know that I can see them because I only get one more shot at this. And once that's over, I'm screwed. So we're getting, I think there's only like one or two more episodes left. We're getting towards the end of the season. So I'm not sure what the climax is going to be, but my guess is that they're going to fight the big demon that's surrounding their homeroom teacher and trying to defeat whatever is plaguing him too. Cause I think there's, they're trying to hint that he has a demon inside him so he can be exercised, but we'll see. Maybe the ending is that they'll finally exercise someone without the use of the Shrine Gods, but it it's getting pretty crazy. Hot diggity damn. I know. That's all I gotta say about that. And that's all I gotta say about that. Ooh, wait, one real quick thing before... I, I, I know we didn't talk about it, um, but I'm super happy. We're going to see the uh, HD version of My Neighbor Totoro tomorrow. They're putting out the re- studio Ghibli is putting out the movies again in like IMAX, I think. And my girlfriend's nice. never seen any of them, so I'm super excited for her. So yay! Yeah, they do. I think it's called Ghibli Fest every summer, in which they take like a handful of the Ghibli movies and put them in or Ghibli Ghibli, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I've heard it in, pronounced both ways. Yeah, um, and they put them in theaters every summer. I don't know if it runs year round or if it is just summer, but yeah, I remember. I think it was two years ago, it was pre-pandemic, that I took Sam to go see a handful of them in theaters with uh, My Neighbor Totoro being one of them, I believe. No, actually, no, it's not. No, it is not. I did not take Sam to go see My Neighbor Totoro in theaters for good fucking reason. And this is me oh. being this is me being anime snob right now. I am very sorry. Oh, boy. Apologies for the derailment, folks. Here we'll be back we on go. Shortly. Real quick, just real quick rant. Fuck the Disney dub of... My neighbor Totoro. It is trash. Oh. The Dakota, the the Dakota sisters or the Fanning sisters. Sorry, not Dakota. Yeah. The Fanning sisters. 
No, they're not very good. There is no, I know. There's a Fox dub out there from way back when, and that is the dub I grew up with, and that is to me the superior dub. Uh, if you look it up, it is an expensive ass DVD or VH. Well, I don't know how bad the VHS would be, but it was released on DVD maybe a year or so before. Disney bought the rights to uh, distribution for Studio Ghibli or Ghibli, so there weren't there aren't a lot of the uh, Fox dubs in circulation. But I own one. I had Sam watch that version. That version's great. Fuck the Disney dub. Anywho, yeah, that one's definitely better. But but I was hoping that you were gonna go uh, Muroko-chan, and then uh, my senpai is annoying because I was gonna say, no, what else was a beach episode? Sort of. Comey can't communicate. Hey, oh. good transition. <laughs> yeah. Good transition. We nailed it. Um, Yeah, so Comey was somewhat mostly a beach episode. The majority of the episode was focused on everybody in summer going to a like local pool, which was great. Um, But yeah, it was broken up into four short stories. Uh, just everybody at the pool, which was majority of the episode. Uh, Comey getting shaved ice with her dad. Comey going to the library, and then Comey having, like, fun by herself at the park. So, mm-hmm. it was a good episode. Um, wholesome one at that. I I loved it. I mean, I love I loved this show. It, nothing, not, nothing's gonna bring me down with this show. Not even, yeah. not even Najimi. I, which, their character is progressively getting better and better. My favorite part of it was when she's at the library and she's like panicking about trekking out a book and she's like, I'm just going to read instead. And then she looks at this little kid and the like, cause the kid's crying and she kind of like looks over at him and glares and the kid like freezes and is like, (laughs) and the mom's like, Oh my God. Like, she's like, Oh God, no, I'd rather have you crying. What the hell's wrong with you? What happened? And Miko's like, Oh, uh," and she like, tries to like force herself to smile and the kid's like it's still not okay but it's better than before and then gives like a little like like very timid but like i think it's okay to wave at you when i'm leaving bye it was very cute i think you called her miko but it's shoko oh shoko i know i'm I'm stuck on miko it's okay i can't i can't remember any of the characters names in blue period it's fine they go by hair color (laughs) and main dude I was about to say it's it's a homeboy and then color and or haircut style. Yep, pretty much. Or like friend <laughs> of or like best childhood friend or whatever. But um Yeah. Yeah, this whole episode I really enjoyed. The pool episode or pool portion of it was really good. I mean, they play pool games, they do like they go to a lazy river all the while, like 'cause it's it's Komi or Shoko, Nad Najimi, uh Tadano agiri and then a bunch of the classmates kind of like or whatever creeper stalker girl is i think yagai or something like that yami yami Yamai. yeah yeah uh, she she stalks like komi for the past like few days to see when she was leaving the house and like overheard the phone call so her yeah. and a bunch of people from the class like show up and they're like what a coincidence but they have a good the, pool the... day until komi takes a tumble and scrapes her knee and can't go in the pool anymore <laughs> Which I like what they did with it because she, I think it was actually Najimi who kind of became the voice of reason and everyone's like, oh crap, you can't go in the pool anymore because you're 
cut. Like, I guess we're leaving. And Najibi's like, no, what are you kidding? The day's still young. Let's go. And they're like, what? And yeah. Najibi's like, yeah, because, you know, if we leave, Komi will feel shittier because she'll feel like she's the reason why we had to go early. So let's go on her behalf. And everyone's like, light bulb. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's go. Yep. And eventually Komi, or sorry, not Komi, Tadano ends up sitting next to Komi and like they have a conversation about the pool day and everything. It was like, oh, this was fun. Well, we should definitely do it again, but maybe less people. And yeah. Yeah. And the the shaved ice part was pretty cute. Like her and her dad trying to like go out and get shaved ice and the dad wants to talk about how are you doing in school? And then she just wants to like order shaved ice or something and... Comey can't talk, yeah. and then eventually her dad asks, like, how's it going? And then Comey just doesn't have anything to write down, like, what's going yeah, on in she... school, and she just starts freaking out, and the dad's like, I'm sorry I asked. Well, because well, there's funny, because there's an earlier part where, like, her and her dad have a moment, and Comey's mom is like, man, I don't know how you guys communicate, but you somehow get each other. And it's because they're both, they both have um, the the fear of like speaking and, and like they had the trouble with communicating with one another but like yeah the part that is really funny because her dad's like like how are things and she kind of like just puts her head to the side and he like gets up really aggressively and she's like ah, i'm joking like just by her facial expression and he's like god damn it i love you but don't do that to me <laughs> but it's really funny seeing all the other patrons there because they're like oh my god she's beautiful and is that her dad? Oh, he's gorgeous too. And they sit down quietly and stare at each other and everyone's like, are they fighting? Like, are they bad at each other? What's happening? This is super awkward. I don't want to look, but I can't stop looking. There's, there's two things I want to talk about, about Comey before we move on to Demon Slayer, which there's a very quick, quick hits. Um, one, Comey's dad's neck is like the size of a fucking tree <laughs> trunk. Holy hell, that man. <laughs> That man must have played, like, looks like a linebacker in I like, football. He just I like yoked. how that's your, that's your first take is just, Kobe's dad's neck be thick. His neck be thick, though. His no, I neck know, is just... huge. <laughs> like, holy shit. You can fit a toddler in that neck. Anywho. You uh, can strangle a toddler with that neck. Uh, sure. It's not long enough. I don't, well, I guess so. Maybe. You can crack a watermelon. Yeah. There you go. Anywho, there you go. Yeah. Um, the second quick hit that I wanted to talk about uh, is I don't think I brought it up, but I really enjoy the like I never skipped the intro for Comey Can't Communicate. That song is fucking fantastic. It's great. The animation's really nice in it too. It's it weirdly enough, it's a different animation from the actual show, yeah. which is really interesting. But it's it's fucking awesome. I really love the intro song and just the intro in general. And usually, I don't watch either or take notice to either because fuck it but um yeah those are what i wanted to talk about for comey but on to probably the biggest thing of the week probably yeah yeah depending on what circle you're in because i do want to get into that uh demon slayer season two proper returned uh it is the entertainment yeah thank you for defining it as proper thank you yes it is the entertainment district arc and we got season one, or season one, Jesus, episode one, which was a whopping 40 minutes. Yeah. And yeah, was, they, they was, pulled uh, out all the strings on this one. 
Yeah, they, like the music quality in this one was like, what the oh. fuck are we, what is going, they didn't fuck around at all. They threw all the money at this episode. Oh yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like everything was insane. They, even like the recap, because the beginning of the episode, cause we'll just dive into it. The beginning of the episode, like the first three to four minutes is that ending scene of Mugen Train with Rengoku and the demon and um Tanjiro's basically like basically like his battle cry towards the demon when he's running away through the the woods calling um, him a coward which yeah which all i could think about during that time was this motherfucker's on his third sword he's going to get his ass beat that's all i could think about which the whole time. he almost did but that's later <laughs> on <laughs> it's that's one of my favorite parts um but we start off it it the after that piece it gets into like this random ass family and they're just talking to one another and they're obviously of wealth because the the father and mother are talking about their son and how like oh he's such he's so smart and he's a great worker and just all around polite like he's not even of my own blood cuz they're like okay they adopted him He's like, and I, like, I already know he's so young, but I already know he's going to take over my business. And then the other family's like, I wish my delinquent son was like that. He's just an idiot. And then they all laugh like, ha, 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 rich people. <laughs> it's like very weird scene. And then we find out that the small boy is Muzan, right? That's his name? I think so. I'll double check it. Continue. Yeah. But he is upstairs in this library area and the demon, whatever that tattooed dude, his name is comes in and is like all right here's what happened um i killed a hashira uh so we're good i also derailed this giant ass train which is good uh yeah we're good and muzan's like no see here's the thing you killed one hashira that's nothing to cheer about there were three other demon slayers there and you did shit and like basically just like flicks at him and his whole body convulses and he just starts bleeding everywhere and you're like Jesus Christ and he Muzan's like I'm not literally never going to be happy until all demon slayers are gone so you can just basically fuck off now so you're like okay cool so that's where he's at finally then we get to Tanjiro and the gang and this is where <laughs> this is where they really went hard on the weird, funny, quirky animations, like, from the start. And I'm kind of yeah. happy about it. Yeah, they, they kept the same feel as Season 1. Also, Muzan is the correct name. But yeah, they kept the fa- same hey. feel as Season 1. They go back to the butterfly house, I want to say, to get, like, yep. rehabilitated because they're all fucking injured again. And yeah. I think just during this time, like, instead of trying to heal up and get better... Tanjiro's like, all right, bye. I'm going to go run an errand. I got to follow this crow. This crow's like important to me and he's going to take me to Rengoku's family so I can give them his dying words. Bye, everybody. Yeah. And everybody gets fucking pissed that he leaves because he's got like a gash in his stomach still. Like, what the fuck, kid? Yeah, basically his lungs are collapsing on themselves and he's like, I'm going to run a couple of miles, follow this bird. So And I'm going I'm to take my sister with me. <laughs> yeah yeah i'll add a couple a couple extra pounds to this journey but yeah it the first half of the episode is very like emotional because it is tanjiro going and talking with rengoku's younger brother 
who we see in the early part of in the, the Mugen train sort of ending recap that the his crow goes to the younger brother and says, like, you know, Rengoku died in battle. So he already knows. Tanjiro didn't know that. So he goes there and is speaking with him. And then Tanjiro gets the pleasure of meeting Rengoku's upstanding and very polite father, a former Hashira, who basically calls Rengoku a worthless piece of shit, takes a giant swig of his big cauldron fucking thing of sake and then punches the ever-loving fuck out of tanjiro yeah the cauldron thing it looks like a panacea bottle yeah and so we get we get a nice little image of him and yeah the first part is tanjiro just kind of talking with the younger brother being like sorry i headbutted your dad by the way um it's just sort of a thing i do and the younger brother's like don't do that anymore though uh, it's not going to end well. He's a former Hashira. He will kill you. But they're trying to figure out, because the father was t- saying, like, oh, I know you're um, Hafuda. I think that's what his earrings Hanafuda. are. The design. The Hanafuda. Hanaf- Hanafuda. It's like a Hanafuda card, but like an earring. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's like, I know or those earrings. Picture. You are a, a sun breather. Like, you have a sun breathing technique and. Tanjiro's like, what the hell? He's like, oh, you're talking about our the dance that my father would used to do, like that was passed down. He's like, but I have no idea what sun breathing is. And his father, as drunk as he is, goes in and tells the whole backstory about how sun breathing was basically the first ever technique created and all other techniques extend from. So like the three main ones being like fire, water, and wind. Like those are like sort of the three major ones all other ones are sort of spin-offs of that but those even come from sun breathing and tanjiro's like I, dude i have no idea like we're coal family we're like 15th generation coal family do you understand we're a coal family all we know is coal there ain't too much behind our backstory except coal and I like soot coal and then his father's like yeah but i still hate you i'm still still gonna kick your ass so the first part sort of ends with tanjiro trying to figure out more in this book that they have that's been torn to shreds by the father and the younger sibling of rengoku's like i'll try to figure out if i can fix it for you and then he the younger sibling goes up to the father the father's like dude i don't want to see you just f off and the kid's like you don't want to hear what rengoku's last words were he's like no i don't care he died he was useless it was kind of bound to happen because he was so bad at being just anything in life and the younger sibling's like well i'm gonna tell you anyway he said just take care of yourself dad and the dad's like fuck you and starts sobbing and you're like okay yeah, he has he was, somewhat he of a heart albeit very very drunk but somewhat of a heart yeah he was about to start drinking and then he like stops and just starts blubbering like a big old baby and that's when tanji was like cool time to go back home and it again now mother I don't know why the fuck it does that. I, I'm sorry. Mm, that pisses me off. Anywho, it's when Tanjiro is just like, time to go back home. And that's when he gets back. And that's when his sword master person who makes the sword is like, you did fucking what? Oh, he, but he didn't even give him like a second to think. That dude came out knives at the ready. Like, I am going to 
end you and basically chased him from like i think they said it until the morning so like all through the night yeah like consistently chasing him yeah the only reason that tanjiro is alive is because um i can't remember her name one of the girls at the butterfly mansion like pulls open a door at the side like of the building of the like the uh, enclosure area property yeah thank you and she's like just get in and he like sneaks in real quick and then the dude keeps running around like on the outside of the property trying to look for him and (laughs) tundra was like how did you get him to calm down like oh we gave him uh like rice balls like he really likes them and it's just the next scene is him just with a big skewer of them like whistling and super happy and Tanji's just like all right next time i break my sword because it is inevitable that it will happen at least two more times in my near future i will have rice balls at the ready <laughs> so the rest of the episode was really fun though it was just sort of the three of them getting trained getting back into shape they're all fucking jacked even zanetsu Zanetsu's fucking yoked. yoked. Yeah, yeah. Like, like goddamn. Kobe, like Kobe's putting, dad yoked. Yeah. Just thick necks and all. Putting pre-workout and all their meals. But the... And you're going to have to look it up real quick as I stall for time. The Hashira, who's now sort of like the main... The leading person in this season for the Entertainment District. He shows up and basically tries to kidnap two of the people at the butterfly mansion and they're like what in the shit are you doing you're a hashira why are you kidnapping people and he's like i'm going on a mission and i need two and i need two females yeah he's like i need two females for this mission and tanjiro's like dude one of them is a kid and they're not even like a demon slayer a part of the demon slayer core they're not even wearing a uniform yeah he's like oh and just like fucking hucks her (laughs) yeet yeet just fucking yeah. yeets. Also, the guy's name is Tengen. Tengen, thank Tengen you. Tengen Uzi. Uzui? Uzui. Yeah. Uzi. Uzui. Then he's holding the other girl who he's like, well, this one will be fine. Like, she she can battle even though she's not like a full-on demon slayer. Like, so long as she can hold her own. And the girl's like, oh my god, I'm literally gonna die. And Tand- that's when Tanjiro was like, no, you don't need her because you've got this gang and then zanetsu and uh inosuke show up and he's like all right and just slaps her right on the ass which i was like god damn it you know that's just gonna get turned into a bajillion different gifts it's like son of a bitch like i'm but waiting i'm bas- waiting for the uh basically just slaps her on the ass and like a taiko drum just like starts playing <laughs> yeah the um but then he it just ends with him being like are you ready to get your asses kicked because we're going to the entertainment district and boy oh boy are there some demons there waiting for you and zanetsu does his scream and osuke's like let's fucking go and tanjiro's like yeah let's do it boys and that's it did you mention that they were doing solo missions on their own in the meantime before this all happens in between like training and this they were also sent off to do like solo missions and even yeah, but they they only said that. They didn't show it. It was just like they're doing missions. I mean, they showed they showed uh one for Tanjiro. Tanjiro. But they yeah. yeah, they they said that even Zenetsu that was, was going on solo missions like non like super willingly, but he would do it like with some yeah. sort of like pushback. But eventually he got there. So that was yeah. kind of funny, but 
But let's yeah. be fair. They only showed Tanjiro's solo mission because they wanted to get ne- Nezuko some screen time. <laughs> it's like the only part of the episode where you see Nezuko. She pops out of the box for two seconds to take starts, like three swipes at a demon. Yeah, starts beating this demon's arms away. Like it's like a praying mantis type arm looking thing. Like except that yeah. it has, it's like a spider in which there's multiples of them. So yeah, it's a good time. Um, it's fun. I'm ex- I'm excited. So I do have a quick question, and I was going to get into this before we even started this talk about Demon Slayer, but um, oh. since you were like, let's just hop into it, I was like, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> season 1 and Mugen Train, what were your overall thoughts of those two? Well, I think we talked about Season 1. My thoughts on Season 1 was like, it's a, it's a good anime. It's nothing too crazy or over the top because it is a very like simple plot, and it's nothing like... It's not like they're trying to reinvent the wheel at all when it comes to like a storyline or a theme or anything. It's just there are demons. There's a there's a group of people that slays them. There's some cool little unique elements to the show whereby like Tanjiro's sister is a demon, but he can somehow has that familial bond and she fights alongside him. There's also the cool things with the swords and then obviously the the different fighting techniques with like the water breathing fire breathing lightning stuff like that like that all is makes it what the show is but it's not a show where you're like holy shit this is the literally the like pinnacle of what an anime could and should be is that good it's like it's just it's good it's a fun show yeah that is very pleasing episode to episode there's no like slow points thankfully like you're not watching a season you're like Man, I could probably skip the next three episodes because these three episodes are kind of meh. It's like every episode's solid. And it's just, it's good. Then Mugen Train was very entertaining. There were like so many different elements to Mugen Train. So many different pieces. I mean, you have just the beginning part of them getting on the train and immediately like there are demons. It's like, oh shit, okay, we're getting right in the thick of it. And then it's like, okay, now we're faced with this one demon who's controlling everything we got to find him but lo and behold there's these shitty ass kids that are going to poison us basically and send us into our dream world oh this is the work of the demon if we're going to be stuck here and basically die here what do we have to do we got to kill ourselves and then it's just this intense battle with the dream eyeball demon basically like clapping his hands with his little eyeballs trying to send you to sleep and then every time tanjiro just fucking stabbing himself right in the neck slicing his throat to wake up again you're like god damn this is just ruthless then beating that demon and you're like oh man finally it's over nope another demon shows up you're like jesus i can't i there's no more edge to my seat i'm going to fall off and then fighting that and then the sad ending with rengoku there's it's a roller coaster but on a train (laughs) yeah and then it's a train coaster and then it goes off the rails quite literally anywho yep quite literally Um, but no i mean it's just it's good it's not like holy shit it's not like bad it's just really solid good yeah so i would say yeah i similar sentiments at least for season one i thought that the story plot wise it was you know mid it was fine it was whatever it there it was there was a plot to deliver really pretty scenes and that was season yeah. one. Um, Mugen Train, you and I are on different pages. I 
and I I've gotten into not not necessarily fights or arguments, but like with Lobo. Uh, R.I.P. Buddy, I miss you. Um, he's we, not dead, everyone. By the way, he's not dead. No, he's not dead. He's just no <laughs> he's longer. He's still on the show. very much alive. Very much yeah. alive. Anywho, um, he and I did not see eye to eye on the movie. He loved it. He thought it was great, etc. I, on the other hand, thought that the first entire hour, hour and a half, or whatever the fuck it was, the whole train part was unnecessary. Either give me the full fucking movie, like give me the whole movie, it ends with the train derailing and that demon dying, or give me that 30 minute boss battle with Rengoku and the number three demon. Because like, to me, the, the train part was fine. It was okay. I, to be completely honest, is the first movie I saw since the pandemic started in a theater in which... I was like excited and I may or may not have fallen asleep for a five minute period during the train Ooh. part. Ooh, uh, no. Yeah, no, it was like right before the battle with the demon train. So <laughs> that's how I felt about <laughs> the, the, the demon train. That's how I felt about the first part of the movie. And then the second part of the movie, the fucking third demon who fights Rengoku, like that part, fucking interesting, fucking gorgeous, fucking beautiful, loved it. But where the fuck did this demon come from? Why the fuck was he here? There's zero explanation to it. And then we kind of get a little bit of an explanation to it here in Season 2, Episode 1. Uh, I'm dubbing this Episode 1. I know that they had, like, Mugen Train is still technically part Season 2. That's not... Yeah, we're not talking about that. Entertainment District Season... Uh, episode 1. But, like, that whole fight, for, to me absolutely bewildered the ever-living shit out of me as to what the fuck is going on where did this guy come from why is this happening i'm so confused and then rengoku dies and he runs off into the the forest like i've killed you yes (laughs) and then just you're like what the fuck did i just watch i watched a hour and a half movie about a demon train and killing demons on a train and then i watched a 30 minute episode of just a number three demon appearing out of nowhere and fucking killing Rengoku. What just happened? I'm so confused. So to me, like, the pacing of that movie was so fucking bizarre that I'm just like, uh-uh. I, you, to, to go into this episode and just get a passive, like, oh, I sent you there to the train to defeat everybody there, not just one guy, is a bullshit excuse as to sending your number three lackey to 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 what back up just a tiny little guy who's a train now that just fucking dies by a no-name demon slayer corp guy like what you're gonna send your number three guy to just clean up a mess no no just because he was in the area that fucking shit makes no sense to me that's some horse crap that is the laziest explanation I've ever heard. All right. All right. Let me let let magically average or mango aquifer or whatever the hell you called me. Let Man- me, mangrove aquifer. Thank you. Let me let me calm calm you down and explain something. So the clappy eyeball dream dude on the train, right? We saw him at the last episode of season one because he had all of like the what are they upper twelve or whatever they're called. No, Basically, they were like the they sh- were like the underneath the lower ten or like the upper ten, and he was the yeah. only one to survive it. I get it, and he's like, okay, go right. cre- go go create havoc, have fun, and like yeah, he's not even part of the top ten. He's just a demon, so a why, very powerful why demon. Would, 
why would Muzan put all of his trust in that demon to succeed in their mission? Hmm? No, that's why you have some of the higher ranking, stronger demons nearby to clean up his shit, basically. No, no. They they didn't even explain that he was there to clean up shit. He just happened to be there. That's it. No, he didn't happen to be no, there. He that was is sent exact- by Muzan because that's why he reported in- back. No. Yeah, he reported back because he said, "Hey, you're in the area. Go go there." That's it. There was no why are you in the area? You're there in the area to clean up his shit. It's, "Hey, you were in the area. Just go clean it up. Go kill anybody that's still alive." Yeah. Why the fuck was he in the area? I don't know. Is the laziest you know how fucking, fast those fuckers can run? Is the laziest excuse of a All fucking right, I, like I don't uh, that to me that is why I do not like I do not gush about that movie like everybody else does because it is the laziest fucking excuse for the last beautiful thirty minutes. That's fair. I am going to shit on you on the other piece of it though because I understand like you don't you don't like the train part but. You have to go into it still thinking you got to pretend like it's an episode of of Demon Slayer, right? So you got the stupid ass crow going, caw, caw, there's chaos happening on the train, the Mugen train. That's what the episode starts off as, right? And that's the movie, okay? So they're completing the mission, which is on a train. That's literally every fucking episode of Demon Slayer is kaka. There's something happening at this building, or there's something something happening in this forest. And then they go to that area and they fight. And, hey, spoiler alert, normally those fights take two to three episodes. And if you add them all up, it's about an hour of, of actual, like, time it takes for them to defeat the demon in that area. Ooh, how long is the Mugen train? Probably, like, an hour 35. And what you say, the last 30 minutes of the fight with Rengoku and the other demon? I So that part, I'm, like, I'm kind of got a bone to pick with you. Because as a movie, you're right. It's not, like, it's not fantastic, Okay. As a Demon Slayer movie that is structured like how they have the episodes, it's perfectly in line with what they were doing formulaically throughout the entire first season, and that's how they did it in this episode. And I will give okay, I will give you the benefit of the doubt and say yes, the random ass demon coming out of nowhere and punching a hole through Rengoku and then like fucking yeeting and going bye bye and Gremlin jumping off into the woods, that was kind of BS. They did kind of wrap it around in the first episode of the Entertainment District and was like, dude, what the fuck did you do? I literally sent you there to clean up shit and all you did was killed one Hashira. Like, the fuck are you doing? I get it. That part's a little BS. But the train part you can't be mad about because that is literally an episode, three episodes of Demon Slayer. That is literally three episodes of Demon Slayer. It is introduction into the setting. It's holy shit, there's this dreamscape thing that we have to fight through because that's the demon's power. Then it's fight the demon. Literally copies every episode of Demon Slayer. Now, if you'd actually paid attention... Don't wag your finger at me, If you had paid attention to what I said, I said there is the movie that is the Demon Slayer and the Mugen Train, or Mugen Train, which it is a movie that is the hour and a half, which, by the way, this is almost a two-hour movie. It's an hour 57. So it's like you have yeah, it the movie. by really fast. Also, it was they made somehow they stretched that movie into six fucking episodes. Regardless, well, I guess that makes sense. They added 20, music and they well, if yeah. it's two hours twenty minutes an episode, that makes sense. It's six episodes, but like yeah. I said, the the demon train thing part was fine. It's fine as a movie. I understand that, 
But when you have that 30-minute episode at the very end that is Rengoku versus Demon out of nowhere, that's where you lose me. That's where I'm just no, like, and, where the fuck? And I, No, I, I give you the benefit of the doubt, right? They, they, tr- they save themselves slightly with this first episode. But you literally said you fell asleep during the trade because you were bored and that part was shitty. I didn't say it was shitty. I just said it was fine. I fell asleep because I was no. just like, I, I fell asleep. I'm, it was. I'm gonna. Was I'm gonna play the, back. Okay. I'm gonna play back this episode. I'm gonna record you saying that the trade part was shit, and I'm gonna play it for you on repeat the next time we record, just so that you hear yourself in the background going, "Mugen trade was shit. Mugen trade was shit." As a whole, the movie is not very well. It is but you can't take paced. the one. You can't take the one part at the end and go, "The movie was shit." No, I said the pacing was shit. The. Okay, yeah. explain yourself in these last two like couple minutes we have. How is the pacing shit? You have it's a, a two full hour movie. one and a half hour movie that is perfectly fine. It is a good movie. And then you add a 30 minute episode to the end of this movie that comes out of fucking nowhere. Why is that there? That ruins the pacing. You would have had happy ending good movie by the end of the hour and a half. And then you're like, okay... What else can we throw in here? Let's add uh, a 30-minute episode I of just see. fucking everything else. That whole 30-ending minutes fucks everything up because of how misplaced it is in that movie. You just had a hard-on for Rengoku, and you were sad when he died. Who didn't? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who didn't? But at the same time, it's just like, why are you going to throw this random fucking demon who just so happened to be in here into a well-paced movie like i said the movie to me was fine i like again the plot of the show to me is completely mid and that's like the plot of this movie was more of the same so it's like when you put me in a dark room in like a comfortable chair sometimes i fall asleep if my attention span isn't all there so that's what I'm blaming it on. The movie was fine, the plot was fine, and then you give the last 30 minutes of just absolute horseshit of just an excuse to put that in there. Absolute dog shit excuse to put the Ren Goku's death there. You could have done so many different things with that. Hey, we all live through this train battle. Okay, let's all go home. And then you kind of like, then you can like be like, okay, while we're home in a populated area where there are other demons that's where, like, a homeboy, uh, Mizu, or Muzin? Muzin. Could just be like, hey, go clean them up. Not in the middle of this goddamn forsaken nowhere forest. That, okay, again, I'm fine with you having an issue with that, because that ending was, it felt forced. And it, if you look at it, again, holistically, based on where that ended and where we're at now with the Entertainment District, I, you can still be mad at them, but at the same time, they had to get something to transition into Entertainment District. Oh, they absolutely. had to do something. That's fine. That's fine. Now, could they have set it? Could they have set it up better? Could they have had a part during the Mugen Train? Because, mind you, this is this is my one gripe with it is that the entire movie was Mugen Train, like it was on the train. Right? There was never cutaways to different parts. Until the very end when Rengoku dies and all the crows go out and they're like, Rengoku's dead and all the Hashira are like, God fucking damn it, not another one. Here's how you fix it. Here's how you fix it. Because I know where you're getting at that there's no part where like you could really fit in like, hey, demon number three, keep an eye on. Here's where you fix it. 
when uh, Musen kills all of this guy's friends and says, go have fun, that's when he summons number three and says, hey, keep an eye on him. If he fucks up, clean up his mess and continue. There, if he had there's done a lot that, of if they had done that, that would have made this perfect. There's but a lot no. of like there's a lot of parts of it where they're like, "Hey viewers, just put the pieces together." Granted, that's not how it's worked so far. Like Demon Slayer is very much like we literally tell you everything that's happening. You will see quite literally everything that's going to happen bit by bit, piece by piece. That's why the season, the first season I thought was paced fine, but it progresses at a very like monotonous, you know, it, it's a very, it's pretty monotonous, which again, I'm comfortable with based on the fact that the storyline is not anything like over the top and crazy and superb. It's just good. The animation's great. Like I, that's why I like it. It's just, it's smooth sailing. They kind of got away with that with the Mugen train was like, Hey, you're going to have to sort of piecemeal some of these aspects of the movie together with what happened at the end of the first season with also what we're going to go into with the next season you're going to have to kind of deal with it sorry rengoku dies too by the way r.i.p so yes i understand that the, the frustration with that ending but again it it it's how the formula has been so far and they could have done a better job with it but they needed something to get into the entertainment district, and that's just what had to happen. Was it great? No. Did I think it ruined the entire movie? Also, no. I think it. I think it took away from a lot of what the movie was. Could it have been better? Yeah, of course. Just give Did me that one it... little extra ten seconds of just him summoning number three after killing all his buddies and saying, "Hey, keep an eye on this kid." But that's where would they just made, put trust in the viewers. Fun. No. That's where they put trust in the viewers to be like, hey, listen, he's got eyes everywhere. He's going to send it to him. And that's why, again, that's why I think they set up the first episode of the Entertainment District with that awkward scene with the rich family and the random kid, who you later find out is Muzin, to be like, BT Dubs, he had told that demon to go to the train and basically, like, watch out and clean up, do the dirty work and finish off anyone who's survived because... Let's face it, that dude could just clap his eyeballs and make people go to sleep. It wasn't that strong. Like, that was the whole purpose of that first scene of this season. Like, that was it. Why do you think they tied in that battle? The, like, they, why did they add in the ending of the battle scene from Mugen Train and then transition into that? Is well, yeah, They wanted just, to finally put the ties together. Well, no, it was just like last time on Demon Slayer. Here you go. Rengoku's dead again. But that's what I mean. Like, I, as a viewer, I'm like... I get it. It felt forced. You have the questions of like, why did he show up? But then if you just kind of think about it, you're like, he probably just sent him there. I didn't have to have demons, the, the show spell it out for me and be like, I sent you there to clean up everything. You're like, yeah, I get it. I could have inferred that. Sure. My problem is, is that he just so happened to be in the fucking area. And thank you all for being in the fucking area of listening to this podcast. <laughs> We greatly appreciate you. Come follow us on Twitter at Bakako Podcast. Uh, we will be recording these usually on Mondays. This week was an anomaly. We, I was not feeling well Monday, and then we had scheduling conflicts yesterday. So today is Wednesday the 8th. We are recording. We are going to end this recording right now and then upload it. So until next time, Spark Triumph. We'll see you then. Bye, everyone. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.